Hello and welcome to Aisha Presents with me, Aisha Nabi. In this episode, we will be exploring the many ways in which PMDD affects mental health. I'll be talking to Natalie Ryan Hebert, who is a rapid transformational therapy practitioner and coach, specialised in helping women with PMDD. After going through her own healing journey, she now helps women all around the world to heal underlying trauma which she believes is exasperated by the hormonal shift in women who are highly sensitive, empathetic and creative. Her view on PMDD is unique and her success rate is very high in helping women to overcome monthly rage, depression, anxiety and suicidal ideation. This episode touches on emotive and personal issues which some listeners may find distressing. If you or anyone you know are affected, please click on the links in the episode's description for further advice and support or contact your GP. You may find it useful to make a journal and track your moods during your cycle. This may help you and your GP or therapist with a diagnosis and treatment plan. This series is sponsored by Arima CBD oils, which many people have found helpful in alleviating the symptoms of PMDD. Arima have an extensive range of CBD oils in varying strengths. Their researchers have extracted pure hemp oil from organically grown cannabis plants without using harmful chemicals. All of their products are manufactured and tested in the UK in a strict and methodical environment, making Arima CBD amongst the purest on the market. CBD is reportedly good for a multitude of health problems including pain relief, anxiety reduction, mood enhancement and heart health. Visit www.arima.co.uk to make your purchase. If you use my code AISHA10, you will receive 10% off on all orders. I'm joined now with Natalie. Hello, thank you so much for being with us today. How are you, Natalie? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks so much, Asia, for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I know you're based in Copenhagen. How is everything there? Uh, Grey and cold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but otherwise beautiful. It's a lovely city to live in. Oh, lovely. Australian, you can all be here. But um, yeah, I've been here nearly 10 years in Copenhagen because I... I'm married to a Dane, so yeah. Amazing, lovely. So give us a brief overview of what you do and who you serve. So I'm a rapid transformational therapy practitioner. Um, what that means is that I'm sort of a, it's like a hypnotherapy, uh, like a super hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I work with all sorts of issues from weight release to money blocks to confidence to fear of flying to quitting smoking, <laughs> um, but the areas, area that is closest to my heart is helping women with premenstrual mood issues, mm-hmm. um, primarily dysphoria, yeah, like premer- premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So coming off of that, do you believe it's a psychological issue rather than a medical issue? My, my theory, I suppose the message that I have is that it's, it's, it's a little bit of a mixture of both. Um, so for me, there are three parts to premenstrual dysphoria. There's the female cycle, which mm-hmm. is, of course, you know, the hormonal shift. Yeah. There is trauma, yep. which is something that people don't really talk about, but it's a very important part of it. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's high sensitivity, um, high empathy, high creativity. These are the traits that my clients pretty much all have um, 
that I work with a lot of nurses, artists, singer-songwriters, yoga teachers, primary school teachers, um, women who really tend to work in an area where a lot of empathy, creativity yeah. is, is required. So it's the combination of these three. So if you have unresolved trauma, and when I say trauma, I should qualify that this doesn't mean that you need to have been raped or held by gunpoint or sexually abused. It can be, you know, trauma with a little T um, where you've just been through stuff. Um, trauma is its not what happens to you. It's what you interpret it to mean yeah. when you're little. And that sort of gets laid down at a subconscious level as this unprocessed pain. Um, so the hormonal shift combined with the sensitivity sort of is like a magnifying glass yeah. on this box of pain that we have inside. And that is what I believe premenstrual dysphoria is. It's so really my work, yeah. It's a really interesting yeah. concept that you have because I've been speaking to a lot of women and they do show that, you know, the traits of being empathetic and creative. I know personally I've experienced trauma and for me, I've always had PMDD before that, but after the trauma, mm -hmm. I feel like it kind of spiraled out of control and it helped to like, it kind of mm -hmm. escalated mm -hmm. it in a way. So it does make a lot of sense actually. Mm. It's sort of like truth serum, you know, you can think of it that way, that the, the hormonal shift is, is truth serum. And of course it feels awful, um, but it's showing you what you need to heal. And that's what my work focuses on. So could you define PMDD for our listeners and talk about the symptoms that are involved and what you've experienced as well personally? Sure. So PMDD stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and it's pretty prevalent. It affects one in 20 women. And of those, it's believed between 15 and 30 percent will attempt suicide. So it's it's very serious mm. um, and it needs a lot more attention and awareness so the symptoms of PMDD, the common ones that sort of pertain to the luteal phase, the week leading up to menstruation, mood swings, irritability, anger, increased interpersonal conflicts, uh, depressed mood, feelings of hopelessness, yeah. uh, anxiety, tension, being on edge, decreased interest in usual activities, lack of energy, insomnia, um, sense of being overwhelmed is another big one of just, I can't deal with it. I can't do it. Um, so that's a pretty dry description of the symptoms when you're living with it. It just feels like you're in hell. Yeah. It feels like you've been hijacked. It feels like you're, I used to say, it's like my blood had turned to tears. Yeah. Um, just you're flooded. You're just flooded by this dark, depressed spirit, this sadness, this crying, this worthlessness, everything becomes, um, you know, little things turn into big dramas. Um, I can't agree more with you there. It's, it's so similar to what I go through as well, because everything you've described, it, when you're not in that kind of state of mind, when you're kind of positive and you're confident and you're happy, when you aren't in your luteal mm -hmm. phase, you're able to recognize the traits. But then once you're in that luteal mm -hmm. phase, it's so overwhelming and so unbearable that you just, the, for you, there's no like explanation it's just like I feel this way it's like it just becomes so much more like escalated and elevated to a higher extent and I feel I feel exactly the same when I have that but I know for some women they they're kind of experience it like I call it the hell week before you come on your period mm. and 
I know yeah. I've, noticed, I've noticed mine starts literally a week before I come on, but I know with some women it starts like two weeks before they come on and continues mm-hmm. throughout the first yeah. few days of their period. So it really just depends, doesn't it? Yeah, and I find that it, it can get worse if you don't face what your body, what your mind body is trying to trying to show you. Mm-hmm. The older you get, you know, it can worsen. Um, and it's true, like the anger and the sadness, they feel absolutely justified at the time. Yeah. You know, if your partner says, are you hormonal? You go, it's not the hormones. It's not the hormones. <laughs> you know, you feel completely justified. And it's only later that you realise um, sort of how irrational, how, what an overreaction everything's been because it really hijacks your mind and it warps the way that you see things. Yeah. Um, and the pain inside of you, it's like, as Eckhart Tolle calls it, it's like a pain body. Yeah. And it wants to prove itself true. It wants to prove to you you are worthless. It, it's looking for proof of itself. These beliefs are looking for proof. And it twists whatever it can to make fit. Um, so you'll take things that would normally not upset you, like, oh, my husband's coming home late and he hasn't texted he hasn't texted me to say he's late. You know, your mind will go, brilliant, I can use that to prove that nobody loves you. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's so crazy. Um, but it's, um, yeah, and it, but it's very, very painful um, emotionally to go through. And exactly. it's not really understood medically. So there's no real treatment for it other than just experimenting with birth control or antidepressants. Yeah. Um, which of course have side effects like loss of libido or insomnia. Yeah. Um, and it's understandable why women think I'm just going to get a full hysterectomy. I can't stand this anymore. Yeah. I was speaking um, to a few women and they said that the often when they do go to their GP or nurses to talk about PMDD, I know from my experience when I went to the nurse to tell her I've got this, she had no idea what I was talking about. And I think there's that lack yeah. of education within the medical field and the lack of awareness of what it is. And that's the mm. reason why a lot of women are misdiagnosed with bipolar. For years, when I was yeah. at university, I thought I was going crazy. Like there were times I, was, I thought there's something wrong with me, but I knew that I just knew, I just couldn't really put my finger on it. But the thing is, it's so cyclical that you, after you've passed it, you're fine again. And it, it's a, there's a reason why it's called dysphoric disorder because it's like completely dysphoric. You're not yourself at all. But um, I honestly believe that the number is higher than one in 20. I think a lot, there are a lot more out there. And they yeah, probably are sure. just from a lack of awareness, maybe, or just misdiagnosed um, like treatment from their doctors because of that, that lack of awareness. I think. Th- the number is probably mm. higher than one in 20. For sure. And, you know, you're just thinking, oh, this is just, I guess this is just PMS. I guess this is what all women go through. And I think, you know, that it is on a spectrum. Of course, I have some clients who are basically suicidal and I have some who you say, well, this is worse than what you would call PMS, but um, it's it's manageable, but still but still awful. Um, there are degrees of it. It's not something that you either have it or you don't. It's not like, oh, you've got diabetes yeah, or you don't. It, there, is a, there is a spectrum, and I think that spectrum depends greatly on how much pain, trauma, unprocessed there is um, that is being triggered in you all the time because what you'll find is that if you tune into what's triggering in you, if you let your triggers guide you, you can see, oh, this actually ties back into um my childhood pain yeah and that's the work that I do it's all about 
What's triggering you today? Well, that's a grain of salt in a wound. That's not what you're really upset about. I know it feels like that's what you're upset about, but, you know, if, if somebody else was in this situation, they wouldn't react like you do. Yeah. I have a little joke, I, and I know it's silly because he's a man, but I always say, what would Barack Obama do in your situation? <laughs> that's that a good always example. makes people laugh because they think, well, he like, oh, what, you know, Michelle is, comes home late and hasn't texted to say she's going to be late. Does Barack Obama go, oh, my God, does he have a huge reaction? No, of course he doesn't. It's like, hey, baby, where you been? Oh, yeah, we've trained late. Like, he doesn't care. It doesn't even affect him because he doesn't have that wound. Yeah. I don't know why I choose him. I just think he's such a lovely person. <laughs> he seems very balanced. And I think here's a human being who's sort of sorted out all of, I don't know, who just seems like balanced and good and happy and has a lot of self-worth. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he's got his stuff. But it's just an interesting <laughs> exercise to do. If I place Barack Obama in this situation, how does he respond? It's a bit like what would Jesus do if you hear that? It's a really um, good example, say, well, though. What it's would Barack good, Obama yeah. do? Um, and then you can see I'm being triggered here. This is not about my husband coming home late. This is about me. And the question to ask yourself is what am I believing? Yeah. What am I telling myself? What story am I telling myself? What am I making this mean? Well, I'm making it mean I'm not upset that he's home late. I'm upset because I don't think he respects and cares about me. Yeah. And that's painful. Of course, you're reacting really strongly. And then but you sort of dig up a wormhole of like different negative scenarios, don't you? And it's that kind of feeling of mm. abandonment. I know sometimes when my PMDD yeah. gets so bad, I have like this fear of abandonment and I feel like, oh, I'm going to be lonely and everyone hates me and no one actually likes me mm. when I'm really bad. Mm. And I feel like if from this example you've given, it's like every p negative situation you can think of, it just pops into your head like, he's late, he must be cheating on me or he's doesn't, he mm. doesn't want to spend yeah. time with me. You just think of the worst and it's just like on a normal yeah. day, you wouldn't think like that. And it's quite debilitating, isn't it? Just having those feelings yeah. projected like that in such a way. Yeah. Yeah, it's just awful. And it really, it's all down to really just not believing you're good enough. That's what I, when I go in, when I do this therapy that I do with my clients, mm -hmm. what it comes down to is they've started to believe, because we're not born thinking we're not good enough. We're born knowing we're enough. We're born knowing we're lovable. We're born believing our needs will be met. Yeah. But over time, as vulnerable children, we we make interpretations of things that happen. Yeah, We pick up the words that our parents use. Our parents, we get them broken most of the time. You know, they're not perfect either. Yeah, They're doing the best they can with the broken parents they had. And this generational trauma gets passed down. And we pick up these beliefs that I'm not enough. And then that's like a lens over our eyes and that's how we see the world and that's how we interpret things. Yeah. So feeling that abandonment, you're feeling it's not because you're being abandoned, it's because you're believing somewhere there I'm not worth sticking around for. It's the self-abandonment that yeah. is the real pain. That's and that's the, the most, that's that's the the most scary that, feeling mm. as well. I feel like that's the most traumatic feeling you can get. It's because it's a sense of vulnerability because you get in that childlike state feeling oh like I feel abandoned it's, and you feel you do feel like a child there's like childlike qualities there and there is it's yeah. quite it's quite fearful it's quite a fearful thing I was going to ask you how did you get into mm. rapid transformational therapy I believe it was because of your own personal journey with PMDD is that correct and could you tell us about that journey well um <laughs> it's funny actually how I got into RTT because it wasn't like I was looking 
I mean, I had no idea that RTT would help me as a very empathetic soul myself. Yeah. Um, I have a, I've got a psychology degree. I've always been very interested in, in therapy. And when I, I was, um, I was actually watching something on YouTube and some ad came up, you know, the algorithms <laughs> knew who they had in front of them and they went, Hey, I think you'll like Marissa Peer. So Marissa Peer is the founder of, um, she's the one who created rapid transformational therapy over 30 years. It's her own method. I mean, she's a trained um, psychotherapist and hypnotherapist, but this is her own method. And I just started watching her and I didn't press skip ad. I normally would go, yeah, 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 let me see what I wanted to watch. But I kept watching Marissa because yeah. she was just so engaging and everything she said made sense. Um, so she starts talking about the power of our mind and I'm listening. And, I, and so I started watching more of her. I on, you know, went down this Marissa Peer rabbit hole on, on YouTube. And um, once I found out that she actually now trains others in this therapy I just went oh my gosh this is this is me this is what I'm supposed to do this feels exactly what I want to do so was that the um, kind of breaking moment for you when you knew you had to become an RTT practitioner yourself when you saw that that was a kind of like you know yeah, highlight well, moment I, I felt very very drawn to it but I didn't train in RTT thinking oh good this will this will help me with the premenstrual dysphoria I just wanted to do what what she does because yeah. it just looks so fascinating and it's a therapy that really does change people at a very deep level a subconscious level which then changes everything on the surface yeah so it's not like talking in therapy for weeks and weeks going around in circles over your problems which has its place like I'm not against sometimes counseling and talking with a psychologist is the right way but when you're like I'm, I'm just done with it now I'm sick of going around around circles I've been carrying this crap for years I just want to be free of it yeah that's when RPT is the thing so so I didn't realize it was going to help me at all I just thought well I've got PMDD like I've got it like it's a disease yeah and I'm stuck with it and oh well that's me um but I didn't realize how much it would help me and heal me yeah um and I can't I mean I don't know how long it was into the training that I was when I realized I hadn't had any PMDD symptoms. My period just arrived and I went, yeah. what? And my husband's like, uh, where was the, <laughs> where was the chaos? And I, I don't know. It was, that was a good month. And then the next month and then the next, and I went, Oh wow. What the hell? What has happened? Um, and now it's been nearly, well, it must be coming close to three years yeah. and I don't consider myself to have PMDD anymore. I'm still sensitive. I still have my times where I, like, I have a wobble and stuff comes up, but I know what it's about now. I don't go, oh, God, I'm broken. Oh, it's I've got PMDD. I go, oh, here's something that I need to look at and I have the tools now to look at it and, and heal it and understand it and grow. So you it. basically so it, like retrained your mind and your way of thinking. So when you are approached with, you know, when it looms over the luteal phase and the feeling of, oh, hell week is looming, you sort of retrained your way of thinking from RTT training then? Well, it's like this, you know, before I told you about that there's trauma, there's, yeah. you know, unresolved trauma. So let's call that the box of pain, okay? We've all got this box of pain yeah. sitting inside of us. Most of the month, it's way down deep. You don't even know it's there. La, 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 getting on with your life. And then it's like, 
then the then ovulation happens and it starts to rise up and then the lid of that box opens and then you get your magnifying glass out which is the hormonal shift mm-hmm. and you just lean down over that box with the magnifying glass and now it's all you can see is the pain yeah so what happens if you take that box of pain and you heal its contents because the pain in that box I tell you it's a whole lot of beliefs that aren't even true it's beliefs that you form as a child that says I'm not good enough I'm not lovable I'm different, so I can't connect. And these are the main issues. When you heal that, when you realize this is a misinterpretation of a child, Mm -hmm. there's nothing for the hormone shift to magnify anymore. Yeah. And that's how you heal PMDD. Like when and how did you first start to notice the link between creative, highly sensitive individuals and PMDD? Is this something you've constantly witnessed or did you experience it firsthand? Well, I mean, I could see in myself I was that type of person, but it's when I've worked with probably, it's over 100 women now who've been through my program. Yeah. And pretty much every single one of them ticks those boxes. They're all, like, there's probably 20% of my clients are nurses, right? Isn't that, that's pretty crazy. Um, And then a lot of the others are are yoga teachers or they're into mind-body sort of stuff, of course. They wouldn't come to me in the first place if they weren't. Um, but there's definitely that empathy factor um, in yeah. every client. Yeah. There's so. one thing that I've been doing, actually. Um, do you know you say you were saying you don't have any sort of like severe PMDD symptoms? And I'm not sure if it's like sort mm. of related, but something I've been doing lately that's helped me. So the last time I came on, I didn't have like any symptoms at all. And I was so impressed with myself. So I started recently mm. to make um, affirmations. So I do like this timed reminder on my phone and then I set a time mm. and date for it to send to me like as a little notification yeah. of positive affirmations. Yeah. And I've just been trying to think positively. I think reading The Secret by Rhonda Byrne has really helped as well. And mm. just having that kind of positive outlook. But I don't know what it was, if it was just that or there was like other elements that I wasn't being triggered. Because usually I find when I'm having these emotional outbursts, it's normally from a personal or traumatic trigger. That's that's just made me unli- open those lid of worms and like all the nastiness. But this time I didn't have any trigger, but I just tried to remain positive and I didn't have any sort of severe symptoms, which I'm really happy about. Touch wood. It happens next time as yeah. well. But um. So what what I think is happening for you there is because you can say positive, I mean, you can't just positive think your way through PMDD. Mm -hmm. So what's happened for you is if with these affirmations, see, the mind learns by repetition. Yeah. And there's the conscious mind and there's the subconscious mind. And we think, oh, I'm so powerless to do anything. My programming's stronger than I am. And it's true, it is. But your programming, so if you think of the subconscious mind is the mind of preference. Yeah. So that's where all your preferences get saved. What you it's where you when you learn to ride a bike, that sense memory of what to how to ride a bike, where it becomes automatic, that gets saved in the mind of preference, the subconscious. So you don't even have to think about it consciously anymore. Yeah. And why is it saved there? Because you repeated it. Until your subconscious went, shall I just wire this in for you? Because you seem to be (laughs) doing it every day. Concentrate, shall I just make it a preference? And that's what happens. The more you repeat something, your mind will make it a preference. Okay? So just remember that about riding the bike. So let's say now you've got a deep belief that says I'm not good enough. But you have an affirmation. And the mind of choice is the conscious mind. You're making this new choice. I am enough. I am enough 
just as I am. I am lovable. I am worthy. I'm good enough. And you repeat that to yourself. Now, what's going to happen is that's going to create something called cognitive cognitive dissonance because the mind cannot cannot hold two conflicting beliefs. Mm-hmm. So you've got in the subconscious, I'm not enough. And now the conscious mind's coming in, the mind of choice, with this repeated, I am enough. Yeah. And the subconscious is going, what? That's not what I've got written here in the code. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I know, but I'm putting some new code in and it's going to, and it's going to say, are you sure you want to delete this old code? And it's not going to get, it's not going to give it up right away. But the more you repeat it, the more consistent you are. When you sort of come and say, no, that's it now. I'm owning myself. I'm taking myself back. I'm stepping into my own power. I'm the knight in shining armor and I'm coming to save myself when you take that responsibility. And that was a huge step for me when I I decided no one's coming to save me. No one is. You can take the pills from the doctor. It's not really – you're just turning the fire alarm off in the house. That's all you're doing. You're not putting out the fire. You're just going – you're just basically covering your ears and saying, la, 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 there's no no pain. But there is. It's there underneath. If you rip the Band-Aid off, it's there. Yeah. So – when you use that mind of choice, the conscious mind, and you repeat and repeat and repeat this opposite belief, a yeah. positive belief to counteract the negative, after time, one of them's got to go. And the one that's going to go is the one that you're feeding the least. So it takes repetition. Yeah. It takes commitment to yourself um, to say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to abandon myself anymore. I'm staying with myself. I'm going to love myself no matter what. I don't care what emotions come up. I'm staying. And that's another part of the coaching that I do with women is to say, listen, you are lovable no matter whether you are raging at your children, (laughs) whether you've just, I don't know, lost it at your husband. Like there's a guilt that comes afterwards. It's probably the most debilitating part of it, right? It's the judgment that we add on to the emotions Mm -hmm. that that probably hurts the most. It's the self-abandonment that hurts us the most. Yeah. Um, So that's what we need to heal, that self-abandonment. So when you have these affirmations, that's like you saying to yourself, I'm staying. Yeah. I love you. You're worth it. It was the first Mm. time I did anything like that. So you've put that really nicely, by the way. I'm going to keep practicing that. Obviously, I know I'll have my emotional Mm. days, but I'm trying to kind of, as you say, like retrain the mind. And I'm trying to now, if I do get emotional, just, you know, embrace it, but learn how to move forward from it. I think that's quite a strong move. But um, obviously, Mm. I can't speak for everyone because everyone will deal with it differently. It does get overwhelming. We hear a lot about the mind-body connection and how our emotions are connected to our health. I'm really curious because Mm. you are a specialist in PMDD. What are the most common underlying emotional patterns you see with PMDD? What are the common care wounds for this issue? Mm. So, yeah, so when we're looking to the box of pain of a woman with premenstrual dysphoria... Um, it's like most issues, actually. The underlying, the underlying is I'm not good enough. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, we have to have this mask that we wear. And PMDD yeah. comes up and says, "I'm just going to rip that mask off you now." <laughs> so you can. And this is this is what's underneath. This is a yeah. thinning of the veil. And here's here's the pain that's underneath. Now you're going to look at it, and of course, it's very painful to look at. So not good enough is probably the biggest one that I come across. 
Um, and we, of course, all come across, we, we will form that belief in a different way through our own unique experience in life. Um, but there is usually a, a not enough belief underneath it. Do you feel um, like that's sort so, of linked to like the physical aspects that one experiences during PMDD? I know for me personally, and I know for others, the bloating can cause body dysmorphia because you feel like if you wear a nice outfit when you're not in that kind of phase and you feel good, you feel confident. And then when you wear it, when you're feeling so negative about yourself, it just doesn't look right. And then that creates this kind of wormhole of feeling Oh, I'm so ugly. I don't feel good enough wearing mm. this. Nothing suits me. I feel uncomfortable wearing jeans. They don't sit right mm. because of the mm. physical aspects of PMDD as well. Like I feel like that adds the element of mental health in terms of body image and self-esteem issues. I know it does for me. Mm. I'm not sure if you've experienced yeah. that as well. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, we only just have to bloat a tiny little bit and we feel like as big as a house <laughs> and your partner will go, what are you talking about? You look beautiful. And you're like, no, no, I look awful, you know. But, um, yeah, there is definitely the, – it's the lens again coming up and, and making us perceive things yeah. in a very warped way. It's not the truth at all. Um, I reckon the other thing that I see quite a lot of is sexual abuse. I think that whole area that, you know, the sexual organs, reproductive organs, um, can hold a lot of that trauma. Um, yeah. So I, I see my fair share of childhood sexual abuse far more than I would like to see. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's not a nice thing to have to, um, to deal with or to, to look at. Um, but I find that it's quite common in women with premenstrual dysphoria. When the whole Me Too movement happened, I thought, geez, this is really, because um, I've not had any sexual abuse as far as I know. <laughs> but um but I thought, my gosh, there's so much coming out of the woodwork. Is it really this huge an issue? But now that I work in this in this field, it is just rife. It's yeah. It's, it's and of course I probably get a war. I get a skewed view because I'm working with women with premenstrual issues, and I think a lot of that unresolved trauma, unprocessed trauma, is kind of almost stuck energetically, if if you can say it like that. And, in the around the reproductive area i had a client who had um, adenomyosis which is very painful before the periods of very heavy heavy bleeding she was going yeah. to have to get a hysterectomy she was on the waiting list and after working with me and we didn't even work on adenomyosis i didn't even realize she, she didn't even bother telling me she had it we worked on pmdd but after working with me for eight weeks all of the pain started to dissipate Wow. And when she was scanned, they said, this is this is healing. Yeah. We've never seen this before. This is supposed to be incurable. Mm. So the body will follow the mind. And, yeah, um, yeah I, definitely unresolved trauma can create all sorts of physical issues as well. It's interesting you say that because when I mentioned earlier about my trauma and how it exacerbated and made those feelings of out of control, like unworthy with my PMD, PMDD um my trauma was rooted from a sexual assault as well and I noticed yeah. after that incident my whole world just flipped upside down I didn't know who to trust mm. I was very isolated I I was just very on edge it kind of took me ages for the wounds to heal and for me to talk about it openly mm. and that took a lot of CBT therapy as well and mm. um 
since then, obviously, when I have my PMDD, um, like the luteal phase, when I have my hell week, it's certain triggers. If I see something or I hear something about sexual assault or I see something about that person who did it to me, I just, mm. it, it just, I just become another person. I'm broken. I'm, you mm. just can't communicate yeah. with me. And um, yeah. I just feel like they are the triggers. And I, f- I feel like since talking about it and accepting it and I actually, I'm so strong for overcoming it. And I know so many mm. other women who've been through it are so incredibly strong after hearing all the stories from the my, me, too, me, me Too movement. I feel like talking about it more just builds that kind of strength and courage within a person. And I can definitely see what you're saying with, you know, trauma. And it's usually to do with, you know, sexual reproductive organs and sexual assault because it's, periods are something sacred to a woman or anyone basically who has you know a uterus and it's that kind of violation and those feelings about control that are connected in a way as well so it definitely makes so much sense yeah Mm. yeah could you share one of your favorite success stories and like other than your own so like I know you told me a bit about your story and how you sort of saw this ad on YouTube and you became an RTT practitioner Mm. do you have any other like success stories that you could share yeah well as we were talking we're talking about this client of mine who had the adenomyosis I'll read you um she wrote a testimonial for me and I'll read you some of that it's quite long so I'll just sort of skip through some of it so she said Working with Natalie did not change my life. It saved my life. It's February 6, 2020, 6 p.m. I've locked myself in our bedroom. I'm sobbing, shaking uncontrollably, and I can't do it anymore. My fiancé enters and kneels in front of me. I'm in the corner by this stage. He tries to console me, tells me it's going to be okay. He whispers, it will pass, darling. My 10-year-old daughter enters next and quietly says, it's okay, mummy, I still love you. I've lost hope. I've been trying to deal with this shit for over 20 years. I've tried everything I possibly could to heal myself. Everything from counselling, naturopaths, retreats, supplements, specialists, thousands of dollars wasted. I have no more energy. I feel like I'm going crazy. Suicidal thoughts flood my mind. I don't want to live. I pull myself together to message my best friend and tell her I've been diagnosed with PMDD. You see, I didn't want anybody other than my partner to know about my condition because from what I knew, there was no cure. But I had to talk to someone. I'm desperate. I message her with the news and she responds with this. Holy shit, I was just scrolling on Instagram as your text came through, which made my Instagram scrolling kind of stop on this. Another message immediately follows with a screenshot of Natalie's page. I stop crying and quickly read through her content. Finally, I listen to her podcast, which is similar to what we're doing now. (laughs) My heart literally stops. I start crying again, but these are tears of joy and hope. I tell myself, finally, someone understands. That night was the last meltdown I had. The sobbing, suicidal thoughts, verbal abuse towards others, the guilt, the shame, the worthlessness no longer exist. 20 plus years of living with these debilitating symptoms dissolved after my first RTT session. Natalie understood my pain, having overcome PMDD herself, I instantly felt a connection. For the first time in my life, I could truly be open and honest about everything. I signed up for the Red Tent program. I cannot express how much this has changed my life. 
The shift in my moods were incredible. The combination of RTT, metacognitive training and ongoing support has been the best investment I've ever made. I was apprehensive at first, thinking, how's this going to work? What if I can't be hypnotized? What if I can't remember anything? I was amazed that I was able to go back to my younger self and see when and where the wounds were created and the beliefs that I'd carried my entire life. I truly feel like a new woman. This program has given me the tools to continue to explore, learn and grow into the best version of myself. I'm no longer afraid if something reveals itself, rather curious to investigate things with an open mind and compassionate approach. Natalie, I feel so incredibly blessed. Your program has changed my life for the first time in 20 years. I'm optimistic, excited to get up out of bed. I hug and kiss my children so much more. Um, thank you. I can't thank you enough. Like I said, this has saved my life. Forever grateful. And she's the same one who um, had the adenomyosis um, subside and be cured as well. So it's wow. just crazy. That's how, a re- that was really how much moving. change could happen. That was a mm. really moving message. And thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Um, how can people work with you? And what offerings do you have? And where can people find you? So if people were to look into what you do, what offerings do you have? Mm-hmm. So I work with clients one-on-one all over the world. I work over Zoom. 95% of my work now is online over Zoom, which is great when there's a pandemic. (laughs) Um, And I have several packages to suit depending on what the client needs. So for PMDD, it's an eight-week program. That's the protocol that I think works best. That's called the Red Tent. Um, And as far as I'm aware, there's nothing else out there like it um, yeah. or females living with this condition um so i always begin client relationships with a free consultation anyway so yeah. you can have a chat with me and say you know does this feel like a good fit both for me to work with you and also for you to feel do i even do i feel good with with her or, you know with me um and yeah so my website is natalieryanhebert.com um, I'm on Instagram at Natalie Ryan Hebert, and I'm on Facebook as well, the Red Tent Program for PMDD. Um, there's a free Facebook support group called the Red Tent Transformational Support for PMDD. Um, and I've got a YouTube channel as well, which is Natalie Ryan Hebert, like forward slash Natalie Ryan Hebert with lots of different videos. Um, so, yeah. And one thing I want to leave you with, because I heard you say, and this is what everybody does, my PMDD. Okay. Anything that you put after the word my, you create, you make yeah. it part of yourself. You identify with it. So if there's just two little tips I want to leave for anyone listening and, and for you is okay. anything you don't want in your life, remove the word my. Because the mind says, that's mine, so I don't want to give it up. <laughs> it's kind of so manifests itself, it, doesn't it? Like when you say my, so it, it manifests with you with you yeah that's that's right exactly if you think of the secret right you know you're saying that's mine yeah my depression my anxiety my pmdd you know you don't want to say that you can say the the mood swings i have premenstrually not my mood swings but the um and another thing hell week right if your subconscious mind is always listening to you and it's responding to the suggestions that you give it because it is yeah. Uh, 
Like right now, if I told you, imagine that you have a handful of salt and vinegar chips and you're just about to take, just munch them all down, just like put them right up to your face and you can smell that really acrid vinegar, that really soury, vinegary smell and that really, and you're just licking the salt off the chips and you're putting the chips into your mouth. Do you have more saliva in your mouth right now? Yes. <laughs> Actually right. making me hungry. <laughs> you see? And that was just me talking about some salt and vinegar chips. Yeah. So what do you think your mind does when you say, guess what? Hell week's coming up. It's like, You visualize right it, yeah. Better start preparing you for hell then. Yeah. See, don't tell your mind, here comes hell week. I'm in hell week. It will be hell. It will yeah. be because you, you've just told your mind it's going to be. And the mind tends to realize what is expected. Yeah. So say... Here comes self-care week. Yeah. Here comes the week where I spend extra time loving myself, where I'm extra caring and kind to myself. Where so I, turning I all the negatives to positives and yeah, manifesting so the positives. That's my, yeah, that's, that's the tips I want to leave. Don't call it hell week. We've got to get rid of that in this whole PMDD community. Get rid of the word hell week. I know it's a very apt description for it. Trust yeah. me, I know. <laughs> But we've got to, but we've got to stop calling it that. Just to call it self care week, um, self love week, the autumn of my cycle. I love um, that. I love that. The autumn of mm. our cycle. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, yeah. Natalie, for coming on. We'll attach all the links that you've uh, mentioned or your handles and everything in the episode's description. But it was so lovely speaking to you in Copenhagen. Me too. <laughs> Thank yeah, you so you much. Too. Thanks so much. Yeah. And um, that's all we have time for now. Tune in next time when I'll be joined by the lovely Laura from My Hormones, My Health podcast to discuss PMDD and physical health. Don't forget to subscribe. Recorded and produced by the AV Club podcast production.